100 dad podcast interviews with dads we got will i'm assuming it's atkinson 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 pronounced the ch tell us a little bit about you who you are what you do uh how many kids you got marriage status all all the basics (laughs) awesome awesome um so i have an insurance agency um recently sold one started a new one um under under a different uh set of uh a different different space um basically i've been married for going on six years now um dad how is that how how can you basically be married for six years now well because it's going april it will be six okay so basically like kind of almost um definitely for five years um okay. almost six. <laughs> I guess. All right. Um one daughter, two, two she'll be two on the eleventh of February. And uh yeah, man, just staying busy like the rest of us, you know. Cool. Uh so the insurance agencies, are we just talking like normal like car auto home, that kind of stuff? That's what I'm doing now. So right now, um, I actually just became a broker. Uh, I was an agent um with a captive agency. Um, for about four years, about four years, um, my wife and I, we started an office together. We had about 50 or so people, um, under us there. Um, so you own own the agency? Yes. Now, now I do. Okay. Um, so you were managing, you were managing somebody else's. Well, or you're an agent for somebody else. it's a funny, like, it's kind of hard to explain. So I worked for a, a captive agency. Uh, so basically I, I worked. What, what's a captive agency? So they want you to own like State Farm or a company like that, where they're only okay. going to want you to sell the products that they have to offer. Right. Um, whereas now that I'm a broker, like you were saying, I can get you more can shop into different auto, companies. home, life final expense, health, Medicare, I can basically do it all now. Yeah. Um, so before um, we had kind of worked our way up from, you know, just day one agent to going out, starting an office. We had about a 9,000 square foot office. Um, did that for about a year and a half. We opened it the month after i had my daughter in february we opened it in march and then a week later the pandemic hit so all of that at once was certainly a lot Um, but we made it through it we don't uh quit very easily and uh got out of that so so you opened up an insurance agency on your you and your wife um, right after you have a kid, because there weren't enough stressors in life. I did the same thing, by the way. Every time we had a kid, I started <laughs> my business. Uh, now, did you, you started out in a 9,000 square foot with 50 people. That was like day no. one of... No, so we started okay. with 9,000 square foot. We started Why? with that. Most insurance guys that I know, they start off with like like a shared office or something. Like They just get going, then they build up a book of business, and then they kind of... They grow so I had there. already I had already been working for this company for about three years. So I had already built up a couple million dollar book of business. So okay. I had residual income coming in from that, and then we started with about ten people. Um, okay. Was already in leadership, had a team of about ten, got a promotion along with my wife. We went over, we, we brought a business plan to my boss. 
Um, there wasn't an office in St. Pete where we live. Um, so you were kind of like a new division almost. Correct. That's exactly what we were. Is it it like a franchise model almost? Uh, no, not so much. Uh, it's, it's kind of a plug and play system like that, where there's already kind of a structure in place when you get there. Some of that we did on our own specific to our office, but you know, the basic stuff was already kind of in place when we started in the industry at that company. Um, okay. So what what city did you say it was? St. Pete. That's where we live. St. Pete, Florida. Yeah. Right, right down the road from me. That's yeah, right. that's what I was thinking when I saw yeah. you were from Florida. I was like, man. Um, yeah, well, so we're from we're from St. Augustine, so other coast. Okay. Uh, that's, and that's then we're we're, hang, we're hanging out in celebration right now. Okay. But celebration I, I like, that's out near Orlando, yeah. Yeah, Kissimmee. Yeah, by uh, just just west of uh, Orlando. It's where like all the Disney and Sea World and all that jazz is. Got it. You doing um, any of that yeah. stuff? Actually, we were just over in Tampa. We were at the uh, State Farm, or State Farm. Um, you got me thinking insurance. Uh, the State Fairgrounds uh, a couple of days ago on Sunday because cool. they had a big RV show over there. Uh, the RV. So super tell me show. about your van, brother. My my brother-in-law recently built out his own Sprinter van, and that's kind of what he's living in right now. I was kind of curious. Have you, have you, have you is this year? Have you seen my rig? I haven't. Oh. I've seen like little glimpses of it, but I haven't seen like the full on. For starters, yeah, for starters, it's not a van. Uh, It's a fifth wheel. Trying to think, I can't think. I can't think of a way to show it to you right now, other than if you popped over to the website. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, so it's a fifth wheel. It's a twenty twenty North Point. um, So it's about forty three foot, and then we've got a a Ford Dually twenty seventeen uh one ton that pulls it, Got it. so a li- li- little different than van life a little more space so you park it um uh, <laughs> moving's a little more difficult because you're pulling yeah. basically an 18 wheeler trailer right uh, and so the maneuvering is a little different van life is uh looks appealing uh it's not less appealing <laughs> well not no, well yeah, it depends. I like being outside. I like nature. I like going up to national oh, parks. I love I all like, that stuff too. We I like love hiking. That stuff. Well, so that gets you there. That a van life gets you into the national parks. You can just hang out there. You can hike all day. You come back, and it's a glorified tent. It's a mini home, um, and it's it's better than tenting, and it's for sure. It's better than having to go back to a hotel or things like that. So. It just gets you deeper in there, especially if you set up to go boondocking, because then you can really go in the middle of nowhere, which we like to do. Uh, and you're just parked in the middle of nature with not a human in sight. Uh, and it's it's really cool. It's it's a different experience. Um, and so we like that kind of stuff. But it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So the van life is just so small. When you have a family, it's really not super conducive. Maybe if you have one kid. Well, he's a single, my brother-in-law is a single yeah. guy. He's like 25 or 26. Yeah. Single um, dating, even married. Like I would do that, you know, when we're older and the kids are out or gone or, um, yeah. because it, it, the van gives you a lot more maneuverability. You know, you can get into gas stations, you know, cause you're not towing this big thing. Uh, you can squeeze into restaurants, you can detour and go to unknown paths and just kind of explore Whereas when you're towing 43 feet and 20,000 pounds, you don't want to get stuck on some side road where you cannot turn around, you know? Right. Uh, you know, so. That's cool. 
So it has some advantages. It is it is pretty cool. I, I enjoy the lifestyle. Uh, the the biggest frustration I have in this life is my ability to work is severely compromised because I mean you have an office. My my entire RV is 420 square foot, which is practically the size of my office back home. Yeah. Um, and so just imagine your office having, you know, your entire family's beds and a kitchen. And when you want to get the work done, you have your entire oh, family. You, you have your entire family in the office. Yeah. And you know, doesn't, try being try being, try being productive in that scenario with even when they're, you know, quote unquote not bothering you. Uh you know, you're always getting tapped on the shoulder, asked a question. <laughs> yeah, but, and I mean, I'm sure you're an engaged dad. So when you're around your kids, you want to be around your kids. And when you're well, at work, you probably want to be at work. Yeah, and so that's harder to do in the RV life than uh, uh, than at home. I didn't even, I I didn't even fully like think about that just simply because, you know, the stuff you see on social media and things like that, you know, everybody's having a great time. You're exploring, sure. you're doing all that stuff. So and we do think about the whole working out of it. And, and there's, and there's realities to them for the last couple of years, we've just really been, we, we've been more in the enjoyment process, been trying to work as much as we can, but now it's getting to the point where we're like, all right, we, we, I need to actually work on the business of 100% dad instead of just building it and you know, you know figuring out. So you're uh, just doing the page full time. Uh, yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, cool. I wish if I was doing it full time, it'd be a lot better than it is. <laughs> so uh, I, I do it as much as I can. Um, I like I said, I'm just not as efficient as I would be at home. Uh, you know, because something that could take me 15, 20 minutes at home genuinely will take me a couple hours here because a i'm getting interrupted just setting up will take me 20 minutes because i got to get my space you know i got to get the desk set up i got to get the lot getting internet sometimes is a 30 to 45 minute struggle uh, and then Jeez. once you get and, and i'm one of those guys that gets zoned in and work like i you know I, i'm very add so when i get zoned in like i super accomplish but i'm easily pulled out of that um and when i'm not zoned in i'm just easily distracted by 100 million things um, and it's hard to get zoned in when there's your peripheral visions. Oh, there's always movement. There's someone yelling and screaming. There's a fight going on between the kids. Wife's asking yeah. you to fix something. Step in. Um, neighbors whatever. are knocking yeah. on the door asking, you know, hey, we saw your rig. What's all this about? Uh, which we like all that stuff. It's just, like I said, I am remarkably less efficient than I used to be. Uh, so and that, you have that's the only downside. Just, your rig is all wrapped with 100% dad stuff. Yeah. Can That's are you near cool, a computer? Man. Go to the hundred percent dad site. One hundred dad one zero zero dad.com and then uh hit the tour button. And I think there's a picture of the rig on that one. Because I saw a little bit of it in one of your stories. Yeah, so it's, it's usually in the background somewhere. Oh wow. Man, you're not lying. That's a big deal there. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's, cool. It's, it's, it's got fun. Your family I'm, on there. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's why I know that that picture is getting outdated now. We we made that in uh, early 2020. And it's 2022 now, so you know the the three year old's now what he's pushing six. Eh, it'll be four months before he's six, but it's a five and a half. That's you know, cool. The, the eight year old, no, nine year old's now eleven. The six year old's now eight. So everyone's getting older. Everyone always asks me my kids' ages, and it's you know I usually know them. When we left, they were three, six, nine, and that was super easy to remember because you know it's uh, to the windows, to the wall. Uh, but you know, they keep having birthdays, and it's messing with me. 
Tanaga. Sweet, like man. Tanaga. I don't know. I wish my birthdays would stop as well. So yeah, Tampa's nearby. We were at the RV show on Sunday because they had a big one. So we were near you. But anyway, I interrupted. So you got one kid, a girl, two years old, uh, yep. start, just started a new business. So I assume the business is about two years old. No. So this is, I mean, I just locked in an office space. I actually move into that new office tomorrow. Oh, um, I, thought you, I thought you said you guys had a baby, then opened up the office like the same week. We did. That was my first office. I just sold that and just opened a new one on my own. Got under it. my okay. own agency. So you were you opened up a branch of somebody else's and then now are opening up one that's 100% yours. Yeah, I mean the other one was 100% ours as well. We were on the lease, paying all the bills. Right. Uh, everyone that was recruited out of that office was recruited by myself or my wife. But it was under somebody else's umbrella. Yes, correct. Like they had a um I was self-employed with somebody able to still tell me what to do, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, they're able to kind of dictate leadership changes, who gets a promotion, who doesn't. I mean, obviously, we had a really big say, but I had someone else that kind of would approve those things. I had an upline. Now here, I'm the tip of the spear, so to speak. And you sold it back to that person, I'm assuming? Uh, back to my to my boss i mean we yeah. started it put all the build out did all the cubes did all the debt you know everything conference room the whole nine did it for i guess about a year and a half going on two years but maybe about two years um and then we were approached with an offer um and okay so, so he came to you and asked to buy out the office the uh he didn't ask to buy it he more or less wanted it and okay. we were like well you're gonna have to buy it kind of thing Fair enough. so yeah creative he differences thought he, he, he thought he was just gonna take it huh i said the <laughs> same thing to him this is kind of the face i had on when he told me um because it just doesn't work like that i mean you know, it'd be like somebody walking over to your apartment that you are on the lease of and being like, hey, I'm going to just live here now. Yeah. Um, so partnerships, like gosh, there's so many partnerships go south. I mean, there's a few success stories, but um, that happens a lot in business where one one just decides, hey, that guy's making a lot of money. That could be mine. And they just their whole their whole framework of how they think changes. Yeah, man, it, um, it greed is a real thing. Um, you know, I, I like to be the man I am and I stand on my integrity. Am I perfect? No. Um, but I'm always going to be able to sleep at night based on how I treat people and uh you know things like that i mean uh, you know sometimes the longer road is the better one you know um so yeah man i'd say it was running extremely well we did a really good job we had one of we had the nicest office that they had we had a lot of amenities i had a barber shop in my office and things like that so we kind of created a culture um that was really conducive to the industry that i'm in 
And um, I, you got exactly. to explain, explain the barbershop in a uh, insurance office. You, you don't have so, that many people that you're that. I mean, Facebook, I would get. They got a ton well, of people to give haircuts to. Well, so we had an office culture of um, how, like, how do you want to carry yourself? What type of leader do you want to be? Do you want to be um, somebody who's in a suit? Do you want to be a guy in pajamas every day at the office? What, what is it that you want? And, you know, my mindset is you dress to impress. And, you know, first impressions are a big deal. And um, if you want people to take you seriously, I think that there's a certain effect uh, that your look can just on first, you know, eye shot um, that you can have a big impression on somebody based on that. Um, and maybe they're a little easier to, to hear what you have to say or so back to the barbershop. I like to keep a clean uh, haircut fade or whatever you want to call it. So I have a I have a personal barber and he would come into the office and cut me every Wednesday. Um, and basically to help his small business, um, I kind of went to him and said, hey, look, when you come on Wednesday, instead of just doing me in the morning and then getting out of here, why don't you stay and cut five, six, 10, however many of my guys want a haircut? Okay. So it did, a, it did a couple of things for me too. It kept my, you know, it's two hours to go get a haircut. I timed it between leaving, getting there, getting the haircut, and then getting back to the office, it took me about two hours to do that. And I want my guys to maximize their time. So if I can provide a service that they don't have to leave the office to get, and then they can get right back to work, um, that's what I wanted to do. Plus, I have guys walking around my office with nice, clean haircut. They look good. They feel good. They're confident. And all of those things do well for sales. So, so no services for the gals then, huh? We had, we actually, we did, um, had a, uh, every other week we had a spray tan lady come in. She has like a little booth that she sets up. In Florida? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and a nail tech. So they would come okay. in and do the girl's nails and stuff like that. That's funny. Um, so back to the first impressions, uh, not cause not a lot of people talk about that anymore. Cause that's something that's really it's shifting in culture because uh, you look at the Zuckerbergs and such that, you know, the billionaires that can just walk around wearing their gray shirts and, and sweatpants or whatever they want because, you know, they're worth 73 billion. A little different. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. A little different than if you or I decided to wear sweatpants to a first sales meeting. You know, he can go to an investor meeting, never met somebody before and wear that and doesn't matter. Instant respect. You be you. But if you or I did that to a you know sales meeting, meeting someone for the first time, we might be able to, based on our language and how we handle ourselves, uh, of course, of change course. that impression. But, but realistically, yeah, first impressions matter, and that's not only how you look, but how you handle yourself and um, right you know, the language you use and how you speak and the level of respect you convey and all that kind of stuff. Agreed. Agreed. I we were in the service industry, so. Uh, you know, I, I could usually, you know, we, I was never a student tie guy. Um, I don't, I don't love it. I gotta say, but yeah, I mean, I think the looks dapper and awesome. Um, uh, it's just, it wasn't practical. You know, I would have to go fix machines sometimes and, you know, it was kind of, 
you know, I was a mix between white collar and blue collar. So sometimes I was in the office plugging away and then, you know, a freight truck comes in and there's no one there to unload it. And I'm the guy unloading the freight truck uh, or, you know, a repair call comes into a big client and, you know, guess who's jumping on some refrigeration repairs? Me. So you don't do that in Armani. Uh, well, you probably yeah. should. Um, but don't get it twisted. I'm not wearing Armani suits over here. So, <laughs> so I mean, nowadays it doesn't matter. You know what? decades ago and all the time before that the quality of your clothes probably madam or monies were distinctly different nowadays something you get off the rack anywhere uh is remarkably good quality i mean you, you know all the industries have kind of caught up to where there's really no reason to buy that twenty thousand dollar suit because the three hundred dollar suits are pretty damn good you know i got a, a closet half full of h&m suits that are less than a hundred dollars um, I usually try and wear a nicer shirt <laughs> when I wear those, but all those industries, they just, you know, the, what, I don't know what you call it. The floor of quality has just risen dramatically and it's gotten cheaper to, to manufacture the, the, you know, the linens that stretch and breathe yeah. and all that. So where, where that stuff used to be highly desirable, it's just kind of your same thing. I feel the same way with cars, like luxury cars are nice and all, but. Man, like a baseline Ford is super luxurious now. Phenomenal. Or Toyota or Honda. So it's kind of like, yeah. like everything's got power, everything, you know, AC, heat, satellite, radio, massage seats, you know, heated and cooled. I mean, the like screen, all that the touchscreen, everything has that now too. Yeah. Leather. Yeah. And so, I mean, so, you know, I've, there are differences between a Mercedes and a Toyota, but um, it's not as dramatic as it used to be. Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, it's just a personal thing for me where, um, you know, really we don't have a lot of clients in our office. Um, it's more for mindset, I think, um, just simply because I had a coach. I played soccer growing up and I had a coach. Are we allowed to cuss on here? No, not so much. Fire away. Had a coach one time say, if you look like shit, you're going to play like shit. So come to the field looking like a professional, you know, where have your stuff in a bag and, you know, don't be running to the field wearing your cleats. And, and you know, as a young man, that kind of stuck with me. Um, if I'm going into an important meeting, I want to look important, right? Um, so if I want, there's, there's books on that. There's books on that whole thought process. And it's funny that a coach told you that because a coach told me that in high school too. Really? Uh, yeah. There's there's some books Must on be that. a coach thing to say. Uh. Yeah. Well, they're always you know coaches are always reading the self improvement. Well, the good ones are the self improvement books and things like that, and always trying to get like little tips on how to you know help somebody's life or or improve their team, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, the, there's a there's a psychological aspect to how you dress of when you like you said when you look professional when you look good, uh, you know you kind of your brain kind of gets into that role better um, than if you show up wearing pajamas. Yeah, because then your mindset is still on the bed or being sure. at home. Or it's more whatever. casual. It's, it's laid back. It's easy going. Um, and sometimes you need to be in that go get it mode. Warm mode. Um, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's get after it today. And, and we have a casual day too. So um, it wasn't like, you know, every single day was a tie and three-piece suit. Um, some guys wore a three-piece suit and a tie every day, but then most of us took that break when we could get it. So, I mean, if you like it, you like it. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, 
I would do most of my sales meetings. You know, I, I, I had to keep a change of clothes in my office because I was, you know, we're in Florida. So I was shorts and, you know, we had a uh, company polos. Uh, right. I would, I would just change into some jeans and some, you know, maybe some nicer shoes uh, if I was doing a sales meeting. So, but yeah, most people yeah. understood. I'm in the, I'm in the service. We're hawking vending machines and coffee, you know, we're not, <laughs> you know, we're, we're an insurance agent or anything that was a little bit more white collar. So there was kind of some expectation there. And if I was ever talking to somebody while I was in like grease stained shirts, be like, just so you know, I was just repairing a machine. This is my repair gear, not my <laughs> CEO of a $3 billion yeah. company. So g- give me a little Correct. forgiveness here. And yeah. most people didn't really care. But you know, if I was going to a scheduled meeting, I would I would dress with a little more respect for the situation. And that's kind of where I'm at. You know, if if I've been coming out of a long weekend of relaxing and being on the beach or whatever. I'm probably going to wear a suit that Monday, you know, just to kind of snap my brain back into, okay, you know, you're not still at the beach, you're at work now. So let's get after it. Um, And it was just, just a small thing, you know, not everybody uh, judges people off of what they look like. Um, But I think on first glance, it's like when you're dating, you know, when you go out to a bar and you're looking around, are you looking for the girl rocking the sweatpants at the bar or the one that's dolled up and looks really nice? I'm going to be more gravitated towards the other, you know, the, the sure. one that looks nice. So um, I kind of feel the same way. Throwing a little bit of law of attraction in there. <laughs> well, when you walk in and you're looking for a certain environment, recruiting is huge in my business. Yep. So um, I want people to know that we're out here to change your whole life. I want yeah. to impact you significantly. I don't want to just be some fly-by-night job that you have for the next six months and then you're on to something else, you know. Um, sure. I want you to, to love it. So your agency now, you, I'm assuming you represent a bunch of carriers um, and you do some different lines of, of business like, you know, car, auto, commercial, home, that jazz that's where really my my hands were kind of held uh you know tied or whatever you want to call it at the last place i was at i would have to let long story short it's it it was a medically underwritten plan so like life insurance you had to be fairly healthy in order for the insurance company to take you on as a client um so there were some people that I'd talk to, oh, I'm so healthy, I'm so healthy, I'm so healthy, I'm not on any medications. And then they look into their medical history and they just came off of two antidepressants, to, you know, all this other stuff. Um, and, and that person wouldn't get approved. And then I would have nowhere to like follow through to actually like help them. You know, you got on the phone with me. I, I tried to help you. That plan didn't work. Now, where do we go? from here and I, I would kind of have to refer that stuff out so okay it is what it is but so I did is that really, are you, so you guys primary health insurance then only is, oh, is okay. what, that's what we're doing right now because that's our bread and butter but yeah. like i was saying in the beginning you know life auto sure um and then that way for recruiting reasons too i won't just be having to hire uh health insurance people um i can hire any of the even if i just do health insurance i can hire life insurance agents auto insurance agents and things like that 
Yep, yep. So oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so you reached out. Uh, I can't remember the exact phrase of. Uh, I didn't read it before we jumped on this podcast. I probably should have. <laughs> was Was there a particular segment you wanted to go down, uh, or subject matter you wanted to discuss? Uh, Brother, I'm here because I love your page. I think what you're doing is great. Um, I think there's a lot of dads out there that could use, what's the word I'm looking for, use a little bit of support or to know that they're not the only one that's gone through whatever they've gone through. You know, I'm not saying I've been through everything, um, but I've been through a lot. I figured out a way to get through all the stuff I've been through, much like I'm sure you have. Um, So if I can be kind of a, a positive outlet for somebody or if I can be somebody to bounce things off of or whatever um, that's why I wanted to get on here I'm having a great time Um, so I was just going to kind of leave that up to you so I think one of the great misconceptions for the dad that's struggling and going through tough times is that uh, is that the, the dads that are good in their lives right now they're good in their marriage they're good with their kids or you know their kids are grown and everything went well that there were no hard times i think that's the great misconception is that um you know you either have like this good perfect life or you're you and you're a screw up and you're doing it all wrong and you just can't go right um and i think if if uh, that narrative gets changed a little bit more of uh, that hey uh, the guys with good marriages, the guys with great kids and great families went through hell at some point or even uh, a little more regularly than you expect. I think that will change a lot of that narrative uh, and encourage some guys to work through those difficulties a little bit more um, and not to beat themselves up quite so hard. Cause well, we do that, right? Like I think um, as men, uh, you know, I, most men, um, I feel like have a competitive side to them. So it's almost like, I don't want to do personally, I don't want to do something, um, that I'm not going to give a hundred percent to. And when I decided to be a, uh, go down this road of, of daddom or whatever you want to call it, um, I had to, I had to make a lot of personal changes. Um, you know, what are you dedicating your time to? Cause now you have less of it. Um, are you sitting on Instagram all day or are you trying to spend time with your daughter? Um, for me, uh, the hardest part was turning off work. Um, we all have this thing where, you know, we're supposed to make all this money and we're supposed to be this savage in the, in the business you know, field and everything like that. And I think that what I've learned and gathered is that part of, in my, in my opinion, maybe the main point of life is finding a balance, getting out of it, finding a new one, getting out of it, finding a new one. Um, and that's just the way it is, you know. Um, I don't want to, I don't ever want to tell somebody, oh, I I had it easy and I didn't struggle because that's absolutely not true. I'd say the vast majority of us struggle 
on a regular basis. I mean, just with different things. Um, we're all in different moods every week. Um, we're all, that can change daily even. Um, and no truly successful person that I know of has had an easy road to where whatever success looks like for them, whether it's being a parent or being married for 35 years, like my parents, um, it's all, you're gonna have struggle. You just gotta figure out what the solution is instead of focusing on the problem, you know? Yep, I mean, that's the great misconception is that, uh, that other people are having easy lives. Because that's all you see now, right? On social media, it's uh, look how fit I am. Look how cool my car is. You don't see the, or look what I achieved at work. You don't see the days where that person was there at six in the morning and left at 10 at night, right? Yep. You just see the little award that they got. Yeah, um, and, that, and then on top of that, the fact that uh, most people think that there's one or two things that could change and then their life would be, would be that easy street, would be perfect. If they just uh, made some more or got this big chunk of money um, or just made some more money or uh, if they just, you know, their wife's not who she used to be, um, you know, the grass looks greener over there. If I just, if I just get rid of this girl, you know, life will be so much better. Um, yeah. And then they leave her and then they're like, man, I wish I had her back. You know, it doesn't change. Uh, I mean, you look at, uh, you know, celebrities are always a good example because so many of them are just, you know, they're always in their interviews and what they post and all that kind of stuff. They're always talking about, you know, what makes them happy and how life good is and everything. And then gosh, you know, the, the ones that are doing that are the ones that have gone through five, six, nine, 12, 300 marriages. Um, you know, constantly dating, constantly breaking up, uh, like they can't find happiness. They're the ones that are struggling with depression that are on anti-anxiety meds. Um, Someone told know. me about the 20% rule. Have you ever heard about that? Uh, Every, everyone's going to be lacking 20% of what you find perfect. So they might be great in all these other categories and then they might have parental issues from childhood, right? You move on to somebody else and maybe they don't have the parent issues that used to annoy you, but they drink too much. Or, okay. you know, everybody you interact with, nobody's perfect. Everybody's gonna be lacking 20% of perfection, you know? Um, so. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, yeah, I think the whole, there is no perfection. I mean, there's just, if you're and, Christian, you, you sit there and say Jesus is the perfect example, but uh, yeah, there's there's no human uh, that's even capable of becoming close. The issue being now is that so many people uh, position themselves and pretend to be perfection, right? They're the person that's the kindest and the most loving and the most successful and good at everything Look what and, I did. and the best relationship and... Uh, and it's, it's just, it's such a fallacy. It really is. Because, um, uh, I mean, like I said, I, I just don't know anyone that, that doesn't have any struggle, any, you know, indifferences. I it, don't know it does, anyone. Not, well, not only does it not exist, it's, 
uh, it's going to make you miserable to think that it's out there and to think that that's what you're trying to achieve. And so it's less about um, not being in those moments, not being in those things that cause you stress, that cause you frustration, that cause you pain, and more about how you handle yourself when you're in those moments. Uh, because if you're going through life trying to uh, trying to achieve trying to achieve that type of perfection and that type of life to where there are there's just no pain points. Um, you're just going to be incredibly disappointed your entire life. It's just it's not going to happen. And so you're going to be that miserable person. You're always going to be somewhat depressed. You're always going to um, you're always going to be sad. And if if you can just switch the perspective, uh, uh, it'll change your whole outlook on everything. It'll change the results. And you know that that's how you live a lot happier. That's why there's so many people that can be. Uh, that can be poor, that can be struggling in relationships, that can be dealing with a lot of real crap, whether it's in their career or their personal life or, or friendships, whatever. Uh, and yet they're still happy. They can find happiness in those situations, uh, you know, versus people that are in, in relatively good situations that are always miserable because they have this unmet expectation that's unrealistic. Well, and, and like, a lot of like, it is. Go ahead. I just I feel like I'm on a soapbox preaching right now. <laughs> hey, amen. Um, I uh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Post traumatic growth. Some of the best moments in life come after a super traumatic event. Um, Post traumatic growth um, is a real thing. Uh, you could be thinking you're at the worst point of your life. Da, 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 da. This is so awful. Why is this happening to me? And if you keep putting one foot in front of the other, eventually you'll get through that difficult time and you'll kind of look back and say, man, I'm a, I'm a better man because I went through that, you know, and, and I made it out on the other side. Um, I've learned to kind of embrace difficulty um, because it's molding me into being a better, a better man for my family. You know, um, if you, if you talk to guys that are genuinely the older guys, the old heads, uh, that are happy in their lives and, and whether, you know, success can be defined multiple different ways, but successful correct. in some, some way or another, but genuinely happy guys, you talk to them, you ask them what they would change in their life. And most of them will say, honestly, nothing. Like, well, I went, through, there's, I went through these hard times, this hard time, even guys that have been divorced and things like that, um, they say nothing because it made them who they are. And it's that perspective that I think is so important. <laughs> it's incredibly important because your life's not over just because you're going through a tough time with your wife or your, your spouse or your kid or your business or, you know, whatever it is, um, there is always light. You know, you just have to kind of look for it sometimes. Um, you know, when I'm having a tough time at work, I come home and I see my daughter and uh, that's my light for the day. Like, let's say I'm having just an awful day, right? Nothing went my way. Um, today was an awful day. I can get home and it, there's a sense of gratitude there, right? Like I get to have a, a tough day and come home to a beautiful family and, do it all again the next day, you know? Um, and, and I think if more people would just stop, look around and, and really pay attention to all that they really do have, um, these difficult moments won't be so difficult, right? 
because it's just a fleeting moment like anything else. Yeah, um, appreciate appreciate what's in front of you, the real things. I like what you said earlier about just, you know, one foot in front of the other. You know, it's that whole, how do you eat an elephant? Like, challenging thing, but, you know, the only way to start is to take that first bite, then the yeah. second, then the third, and eventually you'll chew through it. But, you know, uh, that not freezing up and just pushing forward, wherever the struggle is, uh, and whether it's the right direction or the wrong direction, I mean, moving forward is almost the the better thing. It's I personally, my belief, it's better to move in the wrong direction uh, for a little bit. You know, eventually you got a course correct, uh, but it's better to move forward than to just sit stagnant. Uh, I totally agree. Well, my opinion. You know, in, in relation to you know being in dads, I, I feel like. Um, that's kind of our role, right? Like, I don't want my daughter to see me give up every time the going gets tough. You know, I want her to, to look at me as the example and say, oh man, my dad, he just doesn't give up. He could, it could be the hardest day, whatever. But again, that's what I, that's the legacy that I want to leave behind. I want, I want her to, well, one foot in front of the other, you know, uh, I'll get to the finish line eventually, you know, I might not be first, I might be last, but I'm going to finish, you know, and that's what really matters. So, yeah, appreciating what's in front of you, regardless of the situation you're in, was a big one, you know, taking one step forward, those breathing exercises, they call it battle breathing, which I just learned it was called battle breathing recently. Uh, we did that in college was really helpful for the, um, for one, like you're really feeling anxious or stressed or just like crap's really going wrong. Uh, we've been working on it with, uh, my oldest kid. Cause he's got, he's got crazy anxiety. Uh, it's kind of like an OCD level into that battle breathing of like you hold your breath, tense muscles, and then slowly let it out and slowly release the muscles and kind of like just drains everything away. They trained us to do that in at WVU wrestling. We'd have like a sports psychologist come in and then be like handling the pressures of being a, uh, you know, an athlete and student and all that kind of jazz and just ways to kind of get control. Uh, and that's, that's always been super effective for me. Breathing and exercises. You, you hold your breath for a few seconds. You know, you breathe in deep, you hold it and then you let it out slow, simple breathing exercise. And then you can add to it by tensing up different muscle groups or your entire body. Um, so you can make it a 30 minute progression or you can just do it once or, you know, over the course of like a minute or two. Uh, but yeah, you tense up while you're breathing in, hold it. And then you slowly release the muscles, like relax the muscles as you're breathing out slowly. Um, and you just kind of like, you just feel stuff melt away because you're really tensing up and then relaxing it. Uh, and I think it's just a flood of endorphins that end up hitting your brain and it just, it feels good and it melts stress away. And it's been, we put that out there a few times and we, we've gotten some, really positive feedback from it. Just things I wish that were taught. You know, I was taught that as an 18 year old in college. And like, I just never thought of anything of it until about a, a year or two ago when somebody was, uh, I think it was my son when he was struggling. I'm like, this is something I've just always done. I never realized that like if, if stuff was getting hard, you know, there was a client that was about to leave or, a, a you know, just realizing an employee. So like, I never consciously thought about it. Just be one of those And it'll just give me some clarity and I'd move on. Um, and so I was teaching him to that. It was just kind of so ingrained to me at a young age. Um, I forget that other people haven't been exposed to it. Uh, and then I, and then I learned, I was just reading like a year ago, like they, they teach that in the special forces, that battle breathing. So like when you're in the trenches and there's like bullets flying around and grenades being tossed, like that's something they teach you to get composed. Like you breathe in, tense the muscles, let go. And it gives you, 
it just it gets some of the i guess it floods you with endorphins i think um i don't know the true science behind it um i've read it i just didn't remember it um uh, and just helps guys it just helps guys get their composure in the moment yeah. you know right before they gotta you know run for cover somewhere so or get you know jump out shooting uh or if they're just starting to panic or uh whatever it is it just it helps uh it helps free the mind up a bit so it's 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 been a that's been a really tactical thing i wish i knew more of them because i'd share them uh but i don't hey simple and effective right sometimes the most effective things are the best yeah yeah. and the easiest your daughter's two what 2020 so mostly grown up in a in a uh covid world covid baby for sure Yeah, yeah all of it yeah she was only like a couple weeks old when that all hit so how's that been how's I guess let's you guys talk go, about are, that. Are you are you are you guys back to normal life or are you still uh do you have a kid that's never met another child before? <laughs> um I I would say just like starting from the beginning of when COVID actually hit, let's talk about a difficult moment. I mean, my first kid just opened this office and anything that I had like imagined being a a parent was going to be like got completely taken off the board right because when the pandemic first hit none of us were leaving our house definitely not going out to dinner we're not going to the beach here was even close um so it was like oh my gosh what do i even what do i even do (laughs) i can't take her anywhere i can't do anything with her um it's been it's been kind of a journey but yeah now man we live in florida i gotta say this is the freedom state so i I love living in florida um you know it sounds like you guys are just back to living normal life pretty much going to church every sunday um you know, uh, yeah, we're back to normal life for the most part. I, I, I am uh, cautious about, you know, I'm not going to uh, an indoor concert, right? Um, <laughs> I've already done that. that. <laughs> I've already done that. And I see I, that. I got another one scheduled in a couple weeks. <laughs> it depends on the band, maybe. Um <laughs> But yeah, for the most part, man, we're we're back to normal life um, and, and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I I got over it real quick. I was trying to be polite and nice and everything, uh, but I'm one of those guys that's like, hey, you know how you build up your immune system, kid? Here, there's some gum underneath this park bench. You're chewing it for a bit. That'll be good for you. Um, I'm I'm with you. I, I'm with I never. You. I feel I, like kids these days this, need a little of that. Well, this was pre-pandemic. I was just, I mean, there's always been germaphobes and people, you know, we've always been a little bit more cautious with that stuff. Everyone gets more careful in flu season. I just, I've never been that person. I've never wiped my shopping cart down with the... Never. People were doing that pre-pandemic. Uh, Man, I gotta say, I still don't. Yeah, and honestly, so we have one cousin that that has always, complete germaphobe has always done that, and her kid's sick all the time. So it was kind of one of those things I'm like, see, I feel like you need to be exposed to stuff all the time. You know, I feel like Partially, me and my kids are going to be little cockroaches. Like the end of the world's going to come and we're just going to be, still be scattering around because nothing's getting through our immune system. I mean, let's get real though. Like 
I got I got COVID two, jeez, like almost two years ago, I guess. Two years ago. How'd you get I it? Had, I believe I got it from someone in our office. I got to say, too, like, I feel like I have a decent immune system. God bless me with that. And I call it pre-sick. So, you know, when you're about to get sick and you're kind of like, oh, crap, I'm about to get sick. That's okay. like you get, how, you how I, what's that? You feel it hitting you a little bit? I could feel it, you know, the night before you're actually sick, you know, and you're starting to get a little chilly and you're just kind of like, oh, man, like, I think this could be it. Um, that's kind of how I felt for like three days. Um, other than that, man, I've been fine. Everybody in my house has been fine. Um, yeah. Okay. So you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get walloped with it then. I didn't what? You didn't get walloped walloped with it. No, I did not get walloped. We, we, so we picked it up New York city, uh, when it first came out, uh, go figure. Yeah, because I had kids like licking the banisters because you know, <laughs> they're goobers. Because um, yeah. uh, the youngest one, you know, the, your youngest kid is always the most stubborn. So if you tell, you say not to do something, they're like, oh. And then they don't push the red button. Yeah. yeah. So, and then like my oldest kid's so conscious of everything. He's like, there's so much trash on the ground. It's like picking up trash and throwing it in trash cans. I'm like, stop touching all this crap around me. It's in your city. <laughs> Like well, our immune system isn't designed for the city. We're designed for like yeah. nice rural towns. Uh, <laughs> and this was pre-COVID. COVID only existed in Seattle back then. Uh, and then like the day we left New York City, they're like, "Yeah, we have our first official case." And then the next day, they're like, uh, "They really didn't have a way to test back then." They're like, "We think yeah. we might have ten thousand cases." And um, we got smacked hard. We don't. We just don't get sick. Like we might get a little bit here and there. Like one kid might get a flu or a cold, but like, he doesn't run through the family or anything like that. Um, and we all still like climb on top of each other and all that jazz. Uh, but yeah, that one walloped us pretty hard, I think. So I don't even take, like, if I have a headache, I don't take Tylenols or Advil. I'm just, I don't like taking stuff. Uh, Dude, we're like the same person. But, yeah. yeah I'm not, I'm not into prescription drugs whatsoever. Like, I'm going to do the over counters. Like, I'm like, I'll deal I with might, that. Thing. I might do an Advil or something, something like that. I just, with my job, I never really fully was aware of, you know, I've, I've never really been a sick person. So I've never really been on that many medications at once. Um, but some of the people I talk to, uh, you know, because one of the first questions I ask them is, why are you looking? And then, you know, what's your situation? Like, what's going on? Um, and what, what do you need coverage for? And they start getting into all these medications. Well, I took a high blood pressure med and then that gave me a stomach issue. So now I take this for my stomach and I took that and now I get recurring migraines and I'm just yeah. like, nah, there's a, not for there's me. There's a crazy amount of meds out there. Um, and the popular <laughs> thing, uh, at least, you know, in St. Augustine, Florida is all the, the, uh, the mom's they're taking all these different uh, medications to stay skinny. And so they get, uh, gosh, I don't know. They, it's just so easy to get prescriptions. So I think they get the yeah. ADHD medications. And I think that helps with something. And then there's something like, is it the ADHD? I don't know. There's something else you can say. It might be anxiety related, but it helps keep you skinny. And so they're popping like three, four different prescriptions. Just to, <laughs> And so they're popping these pills. So I will say... Um, <laughs> Even though I don't even take Tylenol, there's been real thought. I haven't done it yet, but my wife and I got a buddy that's a um, 
a PA, uh, and then another friend that's a doctor um, back in San Augustine, and they're all like, yeah, dude, you have so bad ADHD. If you were to take a, um, a crap, I forget what it's called, the ADHD meds. Back in my Adderall, day, they were something like that. They were like, it would change your life. And I'm so against that kind of stuff. But like now living in an RV, I'm almost like, maybe I just need to start popping one of those every once in a while, just so I can get some work done while y'all are climbing over top of me. I uh, took Adderall for a little while. It was good and not good at the same time. Um, does it, did it change who you were almost at home? No, I don't think it changed who I was because I didn't take it when I was at home. I would take like five milligrams uh, a day, which is like nothing. What I found was I was too focused on everything. So like little easy tasks, you know, cleaning the counter. That's a two minute, minute long task that would take me five, 10 minutes, right? Huh. Okay. Um, I, I don't remember the last time I cleaned the counter, but I'm just thinking of simple tasks, right? You know, going through your email or typing an email, Sometimes it's better to just get it all out and get it out there. When I would take that, I would just, everything had to be perfect. And, you know, this and the other thing, and it, it made me uh, just wordy when I was on the phone. Okay. I would just be talk, 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 no breath. So I, I had a buddy who uh, I think his family occurs and he's well into his twenties at this point, but he's like, like, I think I'm ADD. He's like a whole different level. He genuinely is like madness. Um, uh, and his family wanted him to take it, and he did. And his wife made him stop because while he – like, it almost changed him into a different person. While he was super focused at work and everything and much more attentive and could actually focus on the project at hand instead of being scatterbrained, um, at home, he just – I think – what did she say? Something along the lines of, like, I married this great, fun, spontaneous guy, and you're not him anymore. Like, you don't play with the kids as much anymore. Um, you're not as, you know – laughing and telling jokes and happy-go-lucky and so it really just kind of changed who he was and so he just decided to say you know he just he'll let his i guess career kind of sacrifice that aspect of it and be a little bit more jump brain so he's a better father or a better husband at home or at least more genuine to the personality she married if that makes sense it, does, it makes total sense that's why um well, and, and for me, like just related to what we're talking about, you know, I didn't like taking it. I liked how I performed when I took it, but I would take a small amount that would last me, let's call it six, seven hours. And then after that, when I was at home, I don't need it. I don't need to be focused. I just need to be engaged with my family. And, and that's that's it. I don't need any, you know, enhancements, if you will. So I'm assuming people abuse it and use it, like all these moms back home. Oh, dude. <laughs> just so using many like people. Loss. Well, <laughs> like, I can remember being in high school when Adderall first came out. There was so, so many. What is it used for? You know, it's a party drug, too. Think about it. You take it, instead of taking it in the morning to go to work, if you took it at 10 o'clock at night, you could go out, be awake and whatever you want to call it all night that's when i whenever i've seen people abuse it that's what they do so it's like so it's a stimulant oh yeah for sure oh so it's like caffeine like kind of like a caffeination effect yes you get hmm. a little like you get a little sweatier depending on how much you take or um, interesting yeah for sure and that's like i said that's when whenever i've seen people abuse it they're doing it like at night to like go out it would almost be like a like a cocaine type of effect 
Okay. I, I just was never in the drug scene, so I just don't know. Um, me, I've told, me either. I've, don't I've always been told it makes you feel like Superman, so just don't go to the top of a tall building because you'll think you can fly. <laughs> so we had people telling us um, that it was irresponsible for us to leave on tour uh, until COVID was over. And I'm like, man, if we had listened to them, we'd still be at home. We would have never left. We would have, we've, done, we've done like 50,000 miles, like – Endless cities, um, like 40 states. I feel like some people are just so scared of everything. And, and you know, you tell them, hey, you should be scared of this. And then they're scared. They're like petrified. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just not going to live the rest of my life like that. Obviously, I'm respectful of others. If you ask me to wear a mask, I'm going to wear a mask. Yeah. I, I I was respectful of others. I'm getting to the point to where I don't even respect others anymore because it's gone to. I just I don't care anymore. I just genuinely don't like the whole airplane thing of well, that's where I left Florida. Nobody down here is. We're not doing this craziness you see all over the internet. Like there's a few wearing... there's a few places here and there that are doing it. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's it's not happening. It's the airlines that like that. I, I haven't been on an airline, but like the fact that. You have to wear a mask on the plane. And then the second everyone gets off and is outside, we all take it off. So we're hanging around each other. And then when we go inside, we put on the mask. It, gosh, we were it doing that somewhere else, too. It literally makes zero sense. Yeah, we were, on a we, we were on a tour somewhere. I can't quite remember. But, like, we're all hanging out. We're compressed, like, in a sardine can. Um, but then when we got on the buses, we had to put on a mask. And we're like – but we're, like, on top of each other outside of it. So it – it just, I'm that not sure sense. why, I'm not sure why some of the rules are there anymore. Like, it's almost like, because it doesn't have any true meaning behind it. Because when we're all together without a mask in one spot and hanging out and close and hugging on top, it's like, we you've seen memes with the NFL um, uh, going around lately, where like the quarterback and the uh, reporter are doing the interview for TV and they're like six feet apart. Then the interview ends, and then you have footage of everyone else filming them, and they go up and hug each other and talk each other like one foot away. Like it's, I, I don't understand what we're doing, or that the fact either, that man. like the whole NFL players having to wear masks on the sideline of the games last year, but then when they're playing, they don't, and they're tackling each other, they're holding, they're, they're right next to each other in the same space when they're practicing with each other, and like half the time they're not wearing it. You are like face-to-face -face all the time with everyone. You're showering together. You're in locker rooms right next to each other. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, so the stuff like that is like, but why is this rule a rule? Like there's no real practicality here. Like I get, so the argument of do they not work completely irrelevant if we're wearing them here but not here, it's, it's a stupid rule. Like why are we enforcing it here but not here? Uh, right. But so yeah, so that whole thing, I'm just, I, I I've stopped being the considerate person too. anymore. I I'm just, I don't, too. I don't wear it anymore. Um, every once in a while, someone, for the most part, no one says anything anymore because I, I think even the, even the employees that are supposed to enforce it just don't care anymore. Because I think most of them don't want to say the wrong thing and have someone. They don't want to trigger go, anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I did that, and I'm not the guy to fight. I, I would just walk out. Uh, but, yeah, I just I stopped caring. <laughs> I just yeah, stopped caring. I, I don't it's, care. It's been like, too long and too if much. If you're going to hassle me about wearing a mask in here, I'm going to be in here in the store for three minutes getting shaving cream. I don't, yeah. don't want to argue with you. I don't even, frankly, really want to talk to you. Um, so I'll just throw my thing on real quick, get my stuff, and then I'm gone. You know, whatever. Yeah. 
no big deal. So, These people though that have like meltdowns over this stuff though, it's like and that's both directions. Meltdowns because you're asking me to wear a mask and meltdowns because you're not wearing, you know, both sides are having the, the craziness. And I think they're both, both. idiots. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, so, I mean, that's just, you know, you diffuse the situation. Like, I, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to be screaming and yelling at somebody. It's because here's the whole thing. It's, it's like the Democratic-Republican argument. All your fights, all your arguments, all your complaints and yelling at each other in social media posts – you have never a Republican has never changed a Democrat's mind with a social media post, with an argument, <laughs> with a fight, and a Democrat has never changed a Republican's mind the same way. Yeah. So why are you having this discussion? You're like yeah. your blood's boiling for zero gain, for zero purpose. Yeah, it's your just, blood's boiling because you're never gonna convince this guy that your point never, is the right point. Never. Maybe a civil discussion where you can, but no one's going to do that. <laughs> so, Well, I think some of us that are, I think that's what's awesome about America, right? Like I, I get to have a different opinion than you. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to have similar opinions. We get to believe different things, but we can also believe a lot of the same things, you know? But I think when people start trying to like enforce that their perspective is the right perspective, I mean, is there a right perspective anymore? You know, like who, you don't, you know, it's funny. So we've done a lot says of you're right. You're wrong anymore. Like it is just not, there's so many different opinions out there. You just got to take it for what it is. Well, and there's lack of tolerance for other opinions, but so we've done a lot of traveling the last couple of years, met a ton of people, uh, face-to-face conversations. Uh, we have a ton of them and we're always on the same page with those people. Uh, when I engage with someone one-on-one or, you know, it's my wife, even if we're different politically, like we almost agree on everything as far as, you know, how to treat people, what's wrong, what's right, you know, how we're raising our kids. Not everything in detailed mode, but like on the on the big picture, we're we're kind of all on the same page. We get along, we have a good relationship. It's when people start posting on social media that it seems a whole lot more polarized. And when you look at the country, you look at the news and things like that, it feels a whole lot more polarized. Um, but when it's a a person talking to a person, I, I just we just met so many people. And I know they vote differently than me. On the surface, we shouldn't get along, but we get along and we agree on most things. It's just, it's been a strange perspective of, you know, when we're face to face, we all get along. But when we're, we've got a lens or a screen between us, it becomes such a vicious conversation and and incredibly polarized. I don't don't have any um, solution or fix to that or you know, psychological understanding of it. That's been it's the reality. Very strange. We, All of it's we, very strange. We've met a ton of people. We have civil conversations. We become friends with just about everyone. Uh, we stay in contact. We like each other. And we're not the same politically. We're not the same, you know, even on the, mostly with COVID, uh, because people that are at RV parks and that are out at national parks hiking, you know, that are out at restaurants, wherever we meet people, um, they're out doing stuff. So they're I guess they're probably more on the same COVID side as us. You know, they're not hunkered down in a house because I would have never met them. So I've never met those people that are isolating to that extreme, especially still. You know, so maybe that's the difference. Maybe the people that like to get out in nature and get out and exercise and do stuff, maybe that's why we're all on the same page. But what we've, we've yet to get in a single fight with somebody or argument or, you know, walked away saying we really don't like these people or something like that. Um, Me either, it just hasn't happened. Because I'm not going to get offended because we're different. 
you know, or maybe we're not different, but our opinions on certain topics are different and things like that. Sure. I'm always, I'm always open to having my mind changed about something. If you can change my mind, go for it. And I'm open because yeah. everything you're saying, I don't agree with, but maybe a, a little piece of it, I might add to how I feel, you know? Well, um, that's the thing. And maybe that's that 80, 20 rule you were talking about earlier. So there's things we don't agree on. But there's other things we do agree on. So we actually like each other. It's just uh, these things over here, we just don't agree with. We can still talk about. Yeah, you can have uh, one of my best friends is very liberal and I'm not. But we've been friends for 25 years, you know, Um, one of my best, one of the best people I've ever met in my life. Face to face. It's all different than behind a screen. But yeah, those all those fights and yelling. And I just I see zero value in in a. No, this is why I don't know. I'm not going to argue with somebody over, especially when you talk, especially when you're with the at the employee level. Like I'm not going to argue with the hostess at a restaurant over their mask policy. Do you think? (laughs) First of all, she had nothing to do with it. she's just trying to make money and go home. This is irrelevant. Well, that same thing, same thing on social media. I mean, you get into the comment section and you read them. Sometimes you're like, like, why are you people arguing back and forth? I don't, I don't understand. Neither one of you have gained anything from this. I stay like, out of the comments on those posts. I stay oh, out. Oh, I of love them. them. I love them. <laughs> and if yeah, I wish, me. I wish I didn't have. I wish I had a fake account or like a different. Like I wasn't like a persona where I can yeah. be recognized because be the guy that um, adds fuel to the fires and things like that, and just the makes the conversations together. way worse. Yeah. You can tell people that are out there just doing that because you know why not? No one you know, gives a crap about what they say. But if I say something as a hundred percent dad, just to be devil's advocate or, you know, add fuel to a fire, or just mess with somebody, um, that's not going to go well for me. So I try. Yeah, you, and... got, you got a bit of a following <laughs> that I would protect, you know, so I try not to stir up too much controversy. It's one of the reasons I haven't done like a Facebook group or a, or a chat forum or anything. It's like, there's going to be so many bull crap answers that it gets thrown his way because I've seen those forums. I mean, because there was one called, I think it was called a bunch of dads. I was on it for about five minutes and I was like, my gosh, like the, the comments are horrendous, but most of them are jokes. You know, they don't actually expect you. Hey, your wife wants you to do the dishes. Um, yeah. Is her mother, is her mother hot? Yeah. Go banger. That'll teach her to ask you to do the dishes. Uh, this, 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 this is not, this is not facilitating productive conversation. Super entertaining, but not productive. The comments in are any funny way, or, or like whatever, but yeah. Or just wild and out there. And, and then you have, then you have the responses to those comments of like people that thought it was a serious comment versus people who thought it was a joke or, you know, the context was, or it was taken out of context. I mean, those things go a million different ways. Um, and they, they are, like, I'll just read them. I'm staying out. That's, that's the thing. So, so it ends up really not helping. Um, because even if you ask a question like, Hey, what should I do in this scenario? If you're a struggling dad, that really is genuinely asking a question, you're going to get 500 answers you know, 200 do this, 200 do that, and then 100 that are jokes and messing with you. Um, and so you really didn't get any good clarity because you don't know the person that's giving the advice. You don't know the, you don't usually don't know the context of the situation, but you don't get an answer. There, there's no clear cut in a chat forum. Well, and that drives me. I, mean, I, I, wish we, I wish we could foster stuff. it. If you're talking about life stuff, is there really like one clear answer? I think that. Well, no, but here's the thing. If if you you talk about um, the fact that you're struggling in your marriage 
every dad that's gone through a divorce or is going through a divorce or is thinking about that is going to sit there, divorce her ass. You got to get rid of her. She's a weight. She's baggage. She's toxic. Get rid of it. And then guys that have worked through those struggles are going to be sitting there saying, hey, like, put some effort into this, you know, try and work through it. You know, the, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Then you got the single dads like, you know, why would you ever get married? That's a stupid thing. That's an institution <laughs> that holds you back. And so you just, you get so many, so much different that the guy that was asking, what he should do in that situation for his relationship that's struggling didn't get any good answers. Maybe there's good answers. He's just got a smorgasbord of everything. I just, I feel like they're not helpful. <laughs> so that's the reason we haven't done one. We, I haven't done like a forum or chat group concept is because I feel like it's going to get out of control, especially with guys. Cause they, they tend to lean heavy towards comedy um, and stirring up trouble. Well, and I feel like your page is a little bit more uh, wholesome and, uh, whatnot so yeah you don't i mean when you're talking about branding you don't want to be having chat forms that are yeah exactly know, off brand or talking about topics that you wouldn't really condone or promote on this page you know yeah so that's yeah that, that's been the whole the whole theory so because the community would be fun i just don't know how to especially being on the road i wouldn't know how to moderate it like there's just, I mean, there were many times out West, I went two, three weeks without uh, even a cell phone signal. So oh, I, wow. I would have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and then you get back to your phone and you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That gets fun. So you're married. A, How long have you been yeah. married? Five, almost six years. How'd y'all meet? Tinder. I swiped right. I was ready to get married. I'm ready to kind of like uh, start that whole deal, get a house, do all of that. Tinder, Tinder was holding you back from getting a house. No, um, <laughs> I mean I'm in a house in an aspect of like a home. A home. I wanted yeah. a, a home, not a house. Yeah, I uh, was about to give up, and then uh, my wife came through. She was more than patient with me. Didn't exactly want to get into a, a super serious relationship with anybody else until I was sure that that's who I was going to end up with. Um, so that that took some time, and uh, here we are, six years going on six years later. So, what was the first date? First date was at my little bachelor pad apartment. Cheapskate. I I I was in between jobs. I was so broke, man. I'm just remembering how broke I was. I mean, showering with Dawn dish soap. What were you doing as a career? That was pre-insurance, I'm assuming. I was yes, I was a landscape designer for a little while. Um, about 10 years. This was before the design part. This was like, I was just out there cutting grass and doing the whole thing. She came, I invited her. We had talked for like two or three weeks every day. I was kind of raised. If you're going to take a woman on a date, you should pay. You should pay. Sure. I didn't have any money or enough to pay for both of us. So I was kind of, I had another job like uh, lined up where I was going to be making a little bit more money, but that hadn't come up yet when we met. So um, invited her over for pizza and beer at my apartment. And luckily she came and uh, yeah, it was kind of an embarrassing day, man. I had, I had no washer or dryer at my apartment at the time. And I had like a little laundry mat, like at the end of my block, like through the alley, I lived down in the city. I had nothing to wear. I got home from work. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, everything's dirty. So I'm running back and forth, like getting ready for this date. 
And I got ready like right before I finished getting ready, like right before she got there. I can remember sitting there, we're on my couch, we're kind of like talking, it's the first time we've met in person. I felt like a bead of sweat, like roll down my face. And I looked at her and I was like, I'm not normally this sweaty. I've just been running (laughs) back and forth. Like, don't think I'm weird. Um, So to this day, we still kind of have a good laugh about that one. That's nice. A little starter from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, I I was just sweaty and nervous. And somehow she, she made it to day two or i made it to day two uh so i did construction for a summer uh my after my freshman year of college um and landscape guys were kind of in that same scene it's kind of similar uh very blue collar kind of a rough crowd not all of them but you know a lot of them but the patterns were all the same it's a wake up early kind of job you get to i don't know were you in a crew or did you do it on your own so I was I was an account manager, so I wasn't like you're saying. Maybe one this guy calls in today, and I might be out on the crew for that day. Okay. The next day, I might be in my own truck. By my, majority of the time, I was in my own truck by myself, kind of uh, overseeing the different jobs and stuff. Okay. Um, so so yeah. you weren't necessarily you know on the mower every single day. Uh, Not every so, day, but so so you know this scenario though. Because the construction guys do the same thing. They pretty much start out the same way. You get up early, you go, you get your assignments or whatever. You pretty much know what you're going to do. But you kind of gather at the main building, um, get in your trucks and all, get your tools. Yeah. yeah. And then then you head out. And the first stop is a convenience store. So everyone, every construction truck in the (laughs) freaking country goes to a convenience store. Same with the landscaping guys. They all... Yeah. And they, they get a, a big, heavy, greasy breakfast. They get coffee. You know, yes. they get fuel, a gas, whatever you need. But it always amazed me that, you know, these guys were always spending like 10 bucks in the morning for breakfast. And then uh, come lunch hour, they take an hour off of work that you don't get paid for, uh, which I always hated. Um, I always brought my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with me, uh, like in a brown You're bag. Like, Give I, me the time. Give me that hour. Right. I would happily work. It was like, I'll keep moving. Like I can bite a sandwich while I'm moving stuff. Uh, Cause I was labor, you know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't laying block. I was taking the block to the foreman and making sure he, you know, he never ran out of mud and, and block. So I could keep doing it. But yeah. So anyway, so we were all up clock for an hour. They would always go to Sonny's barbecue or, or somewhere. Uh, and then they would spend like 15, you know, 20 bucks at lunch. And I'd sit there at the table with my peanut butter and jelly, or sometimes I stay behind at the site, like in a shade spot. And then after work, what's the next stop? Convenience store. Back at it. Beer. And then, yeah. then you get a case of beer, uh, you know, maybe some more beef jerky or meats, whatever, hot dogs. I don't know. Uh, and you spend another like 15, 20 bucks. And it just blew my mind uh, that these guys are spending 10 bucks in the morning and then not getting paid, you know, let's call it 15 bucks an hour, not getting paid 15 for an hour, going to spend 15 or 20 on lunch. And then after work, blowing another 10 20 bucks and i you know in the mornings and even i never bought a thing at the convenience store it just blew my mind how many hours they worked in that day just so they could work that day does that make sense it totally like, makes sense That's like if they're I making <laughs> if they're making 15 bucks an hour and they spend 15 at breakfast lunch and after work so that's three hours of work they had to do just while they were at work just to just to make up for what they spent while at work and then they didn't work an hour on lunch. That was like four hours of the day. Just what's the, what was the point? <laughs> yeah, well, 
I it blew my mind. That. I don't understand. Yeah. Now, obviously, some of those guys, the Masons guys have been there. Well, they're making a whole lot more than that. You know, they're making 30, 40 an hour. Um, but still, it was just it, it was such an incredible spend. And then the other thing that blew my mind is I don't understand why we have to buy it at the convenience store. Like, go down to Walmart, buddy. The beer is cheaper. Like, you don't have to you buy it a at thirty pack instead of a twenty four. Or it was it was a mentality I could not handle. And then the language was incredibly crude. The topics of discussion were just blew my mind. I was just I was very sheltered. I think <laughs> so. I learned a lot. Um, Most I like guys the... I was dealing with were were uh, Spanish of of some yep. sort and. Uh, I didn't speak a lick of Spanish in the beginning. Now, I, now I'm halfway decent, but you know, in the beginning, it's like I'm just in the truck. You know, um, yeah. nobody's talking. Nobody, they're all talking, but I sure. have no clue what they're talking about. So I'm just kind of driving. You know. But yeah, that those convenience store trips is, I I could I I just couldn't get to that mentality. I couldn't understand it. And I think I even brought it up to a few of them that like, I don't understand why we do it. It was just, it was just like, it was, that's what we do. Oh, and then the cigarettes too. They're all buying cigarettes as well. And then uh, chew. I'm like, man, there's just so much money going to these convenience stores. Like even back then, I'm a like, I just. Cigarettes is like, what? what is it? I'm pretty sure it's like $10 or something, some places. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. And then chew, of course, you know, was that three, four bucks? Pro- uh, probably around the same man i mean depends on you know just name brand versus whatever i mean i'm sure there's ten dollar ten dollar uh dip out there as well i couldn't get past it it, it just but i liked the construction i liked the work i just didn't like the crowd that was my thing because it is immensely satisfying to do that kind of like very hard work and like to see something built like it's such a tangible result to your efforts it was just it was really cool but I did not stick with it. I, was, uh, I did. I did I my one summer. It's hot. The, the Florida summers were blazing. But what's the movie? What's the movie on repeat right now that the kids I are think, watching? I, I so I don't know what they watch in the back because they have their own TVs and headsets, so I don't hear it. Oh, okay. Uh, so they they just they they keep like a small like one of those CD books, CD binders. Yeah. yeah. And they'll sw- they'll switch them out with the the CDs or the DVDs and the the RV, and they'll just kind of keep them fresh. I don't know. They've really got into Home Alone for a while. Um, yeah, that's a good one, man. That's a classic. Yeah. So yeah, we're turning them on to classics. That way, if I have to watch it, um, I can. I'm... If I have to watch Trolls or Frozen, Fro- so back when we had a different truck, like I, I would have to listen to what they're watching, and so we would drive to like our farm in West Virginia from Florida, which is thirteen hours. Yeah, really fourteen, fifteen hours with the, with young kids because they got to pee every Easily. seven minutes. That movie, yeah. Then that was when Frozen first came out, and I had to listen to Frozen like three, four times on the way up, and three, four times on the way back. I don't get to watch the movie, and my wife would sit in the back with the kids because you know why should she sit up front when there's a movie playing in the back? Um, But that was like it would it would use the car's audio system. Um, So you'd have to sit there and just listen to the whole thing. You can recite it, but you can't tell. That's funny. Yeah. So for a long time, that was one, and there were a couple others. I just can't remember. That almost be like that almost might be more torturous than having to watch the movie repetitively over and over and over. Yeah, I, I like the fact that now they have their own movie player. They're built. They're like the headrests are the movie players. Um, they can watch separate movies, or they can watch one and they're sits together. They they each have their own headphones. Um, you know, so they can listen, they can switch them back and forth between the different screens. They can do whatever they want and I don't have to deal with it. I can just drive 
this giant RV without being stressed on what's going on in the back. Uh, that was the theory. Now that we're like two years into doing this, they, you know, the movies are less cool and less attention getting that they used to be. Uh, you know, so sometimes there's still arguments and fights over what they're watching and all that kind of, we had to, we had to do a rule of there's no special features. Like you can't go into the deleted scenes and stuff over in the car. Cause that always caused a fight. You know, I don't really? want to watch the deleted scenes. Well, I do, you know? And so, because they get to switch um, the oldest two, the youngest really gets his own TV. He does whatever he wants. Um, the oldest two, they switch back and forth. Like you get a movie once, then you get the movie and they're different ages. So they want to watch different things sometimes, even though they all like the same stuff. If it was Levi's turn to pick a movie, he would want to watch all the special featured and delete the scenes. And, you know, that was his turn. And so it could extend his turn into a long time. And so the other kid's fighting because he wants to watch a different movie. And then he'll try and do the same thing with deleted scenes and special features and bonus cuts and director's versions. And so it was causing so many fights in the back that, you know, the reason we put these TVs in there was so dad can drive this RV without fights going on in the back and being distracted because <laughs> I don't want to kill us. Uh, so, yeah, now there's there's a firm rule of no special features, no deleted scenes. You watch the movie, play, start to finish, and that's it. Yeah, so it's, it's weird the rules you have to come up with as a parent. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the podcast. We're running crazy. I'm sure you got to do some work eventually today. Yeah, yeah, I do. It was good All to right, be absolutely. here. Same here. Have a good one. See ya. Yep. Bye. This is 100% Dad. Find our current tour schedule on 100dad.com, 100dad.com, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and more at 100dad, 100dad. Email Townsend at 100dad.com.